Mike Chuck, one, two, one, two. Gabe, can you hear me? Batman, Batman. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Amd Podcast. Thanks for rocking with me. Um, one of my main purposes for for starting the show is to definitely highlight my fellow Filipino-American brothers that are constantly pushing the culture forward, preserving the culture. Um, this next guest right here is very multi-talented and uh, definitely um, have seen all the different hats that needs to be worn at in the film industry. And let me paint a picture, okay? So I did a, I got a very short role in the film called The Year I Did Nothing in 2018. Yeah. And I was just like in the living room, just waiting for my scene to go on. And um, I'm sitting, I'm sitting next to this man, and I had no idea that it was the legendary Mr. Abe, Abe Pagtama. And me and Manong Abe just definitely started chopping it up. And when we did the run for the film, for all the film festivals we did, I really started to like chop it up more with the sun. And one of the first things me and this guest spoke about was his, was his upcoming book. But within that friendship, we started connecting with other things like hip-hop. And he has a very rich history in hip-hop itself. Filmmaking definitely can balance the editor role, director, screenplay writer role. Um, also an actor. And his very next endeavor as an author with his book based on the true events of the Watsonville riots. Without no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you, Mr. Gabe Bugtama. What's up, dog? Yes. Yes, sir. Right here. Thank you so much, Marlon, world-famous Marlon D. Nah. Doing it big right here worldwide. We're broadcasting all the way live here in Southern California. Yes, sir. Uh, <clears throat> uh, your boy, Gabe Pagtama. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it the time and what you're doing for the community and um, just you know really trying to spread the word the good word out to the people and um, just you know spreading all love and peace everywhere and um, yeah this is really cool I'm like you're you're we're, we're, we're broadcasting on our phones guys <laughs> we're, yeah we're recording this shit straight from the phone yeah um, technology love so, it. Gabe, man, there's a lot of ground to cover with you. You got a rich history, man, and a lot of historical. Your 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 family background is is rich. So um, let, let's let's take it back from the beginning. So I always ask people how they ended up in the place where they were born and raised at. So from what I know about you, you were born in Belgium, correct? Yes, yes. Much respect. Yes, born in Shape, Belgium, and um, actually on NATO headquarters was at um and um it's uh it was funny because my yeah my parents uh, got married in philadelphia and mm -hmm. decided to jump uh my dad <laughs> it's, a, it's a quick a real quick story it was just he told my mother he said hey well bless you <laughs> oh yeah yeah i'm good i'm good i'm good right. and um, <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> said well you marry me uh -huh. and my mom said my mom was laughing and um are you kidding me is this a joke like he didn't even say i love you he didn't even <laughs> he didn't have a ring no ring uh -huh. on his finger no uh -huh. ring uh -huh. um, just straight up will you marry me 
because mm-hmm. as long story short is my dad had to go he's gonna be restationed in belgium in europe mm-hmm. and he was in philadelphia and he had to like pretty much he had a week he had to drive the car from philadelphia all the way back to los angeles mm-hmm. and then uh he took a airplane <laughs> and went back to philadelphia and said hey okay i'm here um let's go get married <laughs> And they went to City Hall and um, they had no ring. And they said that our dues. And the funny thing is, our mom, the, my dad said my mom was laughing the whole time. She couldn't believe this is really happening. Uh-huh. And they did it. No, there's no witnesses, but there's a, there's a, wedding, there's a wedding certificate. And they had their uh, wedding, wedding reception at the most famous restaurant in the world and the restaurant was called mcdonald's <laughs> and they ordered two big mac meals nice and i guess the next day they were off to off to belgium and then you know what nine months ten nine months to later <laughs> or a year later i guess i i i was born in Belgium, in Brussels, shaped Belgium. And your dad was in the army, correct? At that time, he was, I believe he was in the Air Force. He was in the Air Force yeah. at the time. He was at the Air Force at the time. And um, he was serving there because uh, I believe uh, at that time because of uh, Vietnam War. You know, we're so right. lucky. You and I, bro, we're like so lucky. We, you know, we don't, we didn't have to go and enlist into the military, even though, um, you know, it was mandatory at that time. Amen. Yeah, so we're really blessed to, we're living at the, right now, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of weird, but it's kind of different. We are kind of living in the best times of the, best times of our lives right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you think about history and the, the history of our American Country. history and the whole world history, global history, Oh, we're we're like really blessed right now. We got mm-hmm. we got mobile cell phones like Dick Tracy like back in the days. <laughs> so Gabe, so you were born in Belgium and what year did you guys move back to Los Angeles? Oh yeah, uh, we're only there for a couple months from what I hear. Or maybe, you know, maybe yeah, only a couple months. Because my dad decided he just wanted a. From what I hear is that he just wanted to, um, how do you say, just get out of the army, <laughs> finish his services, and be go back to civilization as a, as a, as a father. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know. People say when they're married, it's a, it's like an institution. So. <laughs> I don't know. I'm single. Oh, I'm single, so I don't know. You know, everybody tells me to stay single, so we'll see. Show me the money, right? Show me the money. So, yeah. ladies and gents, for those who are not in the know, let me just give a backstory. So, uh, maybe I didn't emphasize this enough, but Gabe is a very talented uh, filmmaker, and he has movies, short films out right now called Misunderstanding. The Legend of the Basketball Ghost in uh, Los Angeles 7. But I, I'm very curious because I want to know about just the influence of... Um, well, before we get into that, 
I know that you have a working relationship with your dad, you know. So yeah. when you when you moved to LA, so you were still an infant. You yeah. were still a little baby. So what yeah. year do you yeah. but what year do you remember moving back to LA? What Dang. year do you think that? Thank you for that question. That's a very nice question. Because um, you were born what year? Um <laughs> Sorry, well, yeah. <laughs> go, go ahead, go ahead. well, according to the government, and my birth certificate it says 1977. <laughs> okay, so you you probably came to LA 77, 78. Probably. Yeah, probably yeah, 78, 7, 78. Uh, so, from what I hear, what I understand. This, <laughs> <laughs> so this. <laughs> and, so this. So this, this is really cool, man. I, I hope you guys are enjoying our. Um, broadcast right now with world famous Marlon D <laughs> and MD podcast. No, just don't say we have to You're do so our funny, we have to do our um, what do you call that term in radio or it's a uh, station identification. So <laughs> branding and MD podcast. Subscribe now, you guys. I'm telling you, this, this is. <laughs> It's gonna get good. How long do we have, bro? Like no time limit. There's no. no time are you limit. serious? No, I'm serious. That's oh my goodness, like, this is no, so there's cool. No there's no time limit, man. I really, I really highlight my people. Yeah, thank you. I I just want to give back and like highlight the voices that needs to be heard, man. You know what I'm saying? So like, um, you look, you sound pretty clear. Am I pretty clear on this side? Cause you sound really clear, dude. Like. Thanks, I'm loving bro. this, man. Thanks, bro. You sound really clear too. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's take it back to LA. So you land in '78, man. What's what's LA like for you in the in the in the early '80s, mid '80s? Uh, and where in LA? Like from Belgium, where in LA did you land? <laughs> like, sorry, am I taking it too back? No, too no, back? no. I'm just like I'm just like um, I'm just enjoying <laughs> the I'm just enjoying the time. Enjoying the time. Thanks, that we're at the 10 you. minute mark right now. And listen to that MD podcast. World famous MD podcast. <laughs> Subscribe now. Gabe, Station Gabe. identification. <laughs> Gabe, you're killing me, Pat. Oh my God. All right, all right, so uh, we got a lot. We got it's, a all lot about our, it's all about our, the community audience, right, bro? So big shout outs to the audience out there. <laughs> big uh, national city. That's right, national city. Big uh, San Diego. <laughs> Game chill. Right. Game chill. Hello, all chill. Right. So, Gabe. All right. So, let's take it back. Let's take it, take it back to late seventies, early eighties, mid eighties. Like, where in LA did you grow up at? What part of LA? Oh, my fondest memory. Okay, my fondest memory when I come back into. Um, Los Angeles. Uh, I was born. I was pretty much was raised on the west side of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. We call it the West Side or like Marina mm-hmm. Del Rey. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, from a really cool town called Mar Vista. Nice. And it's where I heard some really great history about Mar Vista. Mm. Um, ever heard of John Wooden, the great legendary coach John Wooden from UCLA? Yeah. Yeah. So the story was when he was coaching. <laughs> at uh-huh. you know ucla um he couldn't make enough he wasn't making enough monies so he had to have like two or three jobs right uh-huh. so his other job besides uh coaching basketball at ucla and um i play i went to his basketball camp i got like a picture with him and it was really cool Sick. 
I got the John Wooden Special Award when I was like 12 years old. I was like, oh my goodness, you know, and now I'm like 21. And I uh, found out that um, he was delivering milk. Uh-huh. He's a milk delivery guy. You know how they got like Instacart now, they got like uh-huh. Uber, you know, driving. But he was delivering milk in the Mar Vista area, the west side right. of Los Angeles. Right, right, right. To supplement his income as a basketball coach. Mm-hmm. So that's a little story, history about Mar Vista, where I'm from. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty much across the street from Venice High School. Venice mm-hmm. High School is really popular for. That's where they filmed Grease, the movie Grease, nice. with nice. John Travolta and Olivia Newton Don. Big shout out to them because. Remember the football field scene when they're singing, they're singing that song in the football field, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's where it was. I was like, wow, live right across, right there, right there on uh, Venice Boulevard and Greenwood, right there, mm-hmm. right there on the west side. So, yeah, I was, so, uh, mm-hmm. so was the, Filipi- uh, the Filipino community, was it big in the 80s out there in LA? Was it bubbling? Uh, the really the funny thing that was uh, really interesting about growing up in the west west side of LA, um, like Marina Del Rey area, Mar Vista, Venice area, was that all the Filipinos you knew you knew all the Filipino families in the area. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was not that many, and so it was it was very close knit. Yeah, it's very close knit, and there was a really um, actually the very first um very first philippine-american organization the philippine-american lodge of the usa was out of culver city it was uh it was founded back in the early i believe oh my gosh i believe in the 50s 60s is when it was founded and it was everything it was so cool because uh, growing up there um my, all my fa- all my cousins, we all live in the same area, so we're only like five minutes away from each other. And uh, we also knew all the other Filipino families. I we know everybody's house. <laughs> it was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, I just like look back. We're really blessed to um, be. Uh, there was a lot of Filipinos, a lot of Ilocanos that came from originally from like Delano. After right. they were working in the farm fields in Delano, a lot of them moved on into the into the city and were working as like um, busboys and uh, cooks. hustling, grinding. Yeah, there are busboys at the restaurant and there are um, bellboys at the hotels. Um, there are cooks. You know, my my so- grandpa was a cook. <laughs> my dad was a my dad was a dishwasher and he was, always tells me he's like you know on the west side uh-huh. i was in the 60s i was able to buy a house um making he was only making a dollar an hour mm-hmm. and he was able to buy a house in the west los angeles area with the west side and for I think, believe for only twenty-seven thousand dollars. Wow! And we're making a dollar an hour. 
imagine that yeah. now they don't yeah. you can't do that now and what are how much are houses on the west side of los angeles now you're looking at like 1.5 million maybe 2 million now mm-hmm. you know they're all really old houses so and how and our our generation and the generations how many of them can actually afford that you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's like wow so things have changed things ever have since changed. then it's gonna and then your, your dad yeah your dad has been through it all here as a, as a filipino american and as a pioneer in acting and just opening doors making it making it possible for cats like us you know yeah. um and I, I wanted to get into that gabe without touching on it too much because i know i'm going to do a separate interview for for pops but like what was your earliest recollections of seeing your dad act <laughs> what's the earliest like memories you can remember oh shit, what's dad doing that's kind of cool like oh what like what's pops doing wow thank you for that really great question mm. um wow i remember i remember <laughs> i remember being at what whole theater was that i was i believe it was um the barnsdale theater in la and it's like <laughs> off of sunset boulevard and i um Oh my goodness, I was blind blown because I was with my sister. Like my mom didn't want to go because she was like working mm-hmm. as a nurse, you know. Mm-hmm. Mom was working as an RN at Cedar Sinai, and my sister and I are in the in the theater seats. We're like looking at each other. We're like, "What is this, dude? It's like a Filipino. <laughs> it's a Tagalog Filipino play, you know?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but they, right. yeah, we're like, "What?" And they're talking to, yeah. to, and the name of the uh, play was America in the Heart. Nice. With a Carlos Beluson story. How, how old were you? How old were you? How old were you? Oh my goodness. Really young. Oh my gosh. Like second gosh. grade, third grade. Yeah. Third grade. What's like five years grade? old? What's like five years old? That's like kindergarten. Yeah, like kindergarten. <laughs> Tripping out, dude. <laughs> so you, so you, so you, so you saw pops do his thing at kindergarten. And what was your first impression of your dad? <coughs> well, I'm sorry. What was your first impression of your dad when you saw him act? Wow, he looks really tall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because he's on mm-hmm. stage. Because when you're on the stage, it's like you look bigger than life. Like wow, you know. And and were you like wow? I don't see him. Like were you like? Were uh-huh. you like? Were you think? Were you thinking in your head? I don't. I don't see dad act like this at the house. This is a different dad. Did you? Did you think about that? Like, like, wow, look at dad. Like, that's dad outside of my house. Yeah, I was starting thinking that. I'm probably thinking like, damn, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're gonna get some punset or something, or like some lumpia. Is a talking Filipino? <laughs> you know, so, so like, wow, that's really cool. You know. So, ladies and gentlemen, go ahead, Oh, no. I was just really cool to see that um, it was a Tagalog play. So, I was like, oh, we're talking Filipino. And, you know, usually we're here in America, you usually just see like English plays. And it was just like, wow, they're talking Filipino. (laughs) Yeah, they're talking Tagalog and they're acting and they're. They're they're actually doing Taglish, you know, Tagalog English, and and they're I'm hoping in their minds they they get their their lines right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
So, but no, it just looked so, like they, he was having a lot of fun. Yeah, and that left an impression in you. So, like, around what time in your life or what age you think you started your first attempts in acting? Because I know you started out as an actor, and then and you did some shit with Kevin Costner. So, like, tell us, like, what are what are your first attempts from, and when? As far as acting, oh yeah, I remember my uh, my dad, my my parents put my mom and dad put us into my sister and I. We put us into commercial acting classes. Nice, bro. So we're, we're like kids. Are really young. We must have been like really young. Maybe like seven, <laughs> six. Nice. nice. You no, know, I was really nervous, man, because I didn't know what was going on. I just want. You know, I just say, hey, you could probably be on TV. I'm like, I was like, hell yeah, let me get on TV. <laughs> Praise the Lord, let me get on TV. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then, okay, so my sister and I, we go into this, we're kids, and we're, we went to the Jordan, ever heard of Gordon Jump? Uh-uh. Uh, he was a pretty uh, world-famous actor on, ever heard of the, the TV show WKRP in Cincinnati, the radio show? WKRP in Cincinnati. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, he was on the show. He was the state radio station manager on the show. Dope, dope, dope. Yeah, so he was teaching the class. Dope. So I was like, damn, I've seen that guy on TV and he's teaching this class. My sister and I are looking at each other. <laughs> My sister's yeah. younger and I, and, you know, and um, I'm probably the tallest Filipino, Asian looking <laughs> Chinese person in yeah. the room. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I'm probably as tall as, as some adults. And I'm like, wow. I mean, like, wow factor. Because that's, that's Gordon Jump from WKRP in Cincinnati. Like, he's this radio station manager. And he's going to teach us commercial acting. Mm-hmm. So we took that class for a couple, I think a couple months. And then got our certificate. And then at the end of the showcase, they bring in agents. And we get to do a little commercial our own commercial like 30 second or one minute commercial we just got to remember our lines and you know remember what we learned in the theory of commercial acting mm-hmm. and just have fun and the most important thing is you smile mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. smile because commercials you're supposed to smile um, no matter what until unless the director tells you not to smile and that he my dad got us all my parents also got us into central casting. Central, nice. Yeah, central casting is like, that's like number one. That's like, yeah, they call it central casting. I guess that's why they call it. That's where you go, centralized casting. And we go there and we went there. And then the next day we were on set. And right there, I was with Kevin Coster. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And what, so you, you did a commercial with him? Oh no, we did a movie called No Way Out. Nice. And I remember that day it was really cool because I was really, I was really worried because like, like um, I had to skip school on that day and I had to take my homework and I had, <laughs> I did, <I> had to, <laughs> <laughs> it was really fun. You know, I got to take my homework and my classwork so, to set. Right, right, right. And I got it. They said, okay, 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 Abraham, Gabriel, you have to spend at least four hours in studying. Okay, okay. Okay. (laughs) 
It so is, yeah, we're so, in school so, so while we're on set. <laughs> so time, so time out, time out, time out, bro. I love, I love, I love how you're so nonchalant about it. I'm like, and I'm all fucking up, like, yo, man, so you oh, did yeah. a commercial with Kevin Costner, and you're all, you're all, nah, I did a movie with him. I did a movie with him. He's all nonchalant, like, I did a movie. So, yo, you meet Kevin Costner. What's in your mind, dog? Like, do you know who Kevin Costner is at the time? Or no, not? I didn't know who he was. I didn't know anything until <laughs> after. I was worried. I was just focused. I was just focused. What, on, year? what year is this? I don't man? know, man. I was really young. Dude. It must have been like seven, maybe. Seven or eight. Seven? Yeah. Fuck. Okay. I don't know. I'm a guinea pig. They call me out. You know, they tell everybody tells me I was the guinea pig. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, Filipino, mm-hmm. Filipino guinea pig at that time, or that for that nice. generation. So I get thrown in there. You know, I was just really focused at that time at like seven years old to just really, you know, make sure I get my schoolwork done. And then, and once I once I'm out of school, and then they call us the direct the AD calls us out to set. So, hey, we're gonna go film something now. Okay. <laughs> Go step outside with my chanelas. Because <laughs> the scene is supposed to be in the Philippines. And I got my shorts on, my white tank top. And we're at the San Pedro Pier. And it's cold, man. And they say, okay, I don't even know what we're going to do. So they say, what are we going to do? Just don't worry, don't worry. When we have action, you just... Follow him, that guy, and you run, oh, run past the baskets. Each each food vendor, you pass them, and you try to tug on, try to tug on to this guy right here, okay, Mr. Costner. Yeah, just talk to him on the way. So, all right, okay, it's like a, this is like a obstacle course then, like, cause you know I really love basketball, and. It was like a what do they call it? Like an obstacle course, you know? Like yeah. We we're trying to go. And yo, Gabe, Gabe, <laughs> Gabe, you're seven. You're seven. Yeah. Wow. What the? Wow. Fuck? Wow. Right. You're seven. Though. Okay. So, so, so you did that. You did that film. And how many days did you have to do do work for Kevin Costner's film? Oh my God! It was like forty eight hours or something. <laughs> two days. Two days straight. Yeah, it was about a couple days. Yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah, I was just ah. like, I was more concerned, focused like on my schoolwork. It's like, okay, I hope I did my homework. <laughs> you know? I wasn't really, you know, the, the, the acting was just like fun. It was just like, yeah, yeah. But I was just like, so, yeah, it's more concerned about academics. <laughs> that's a good, you're a good student. You're a good student. Good job. Yeah, so, like, Besides the Kevin Costner flick, what else? What else did you work on as far as like acting as a youth? Like, what else? Like commercials or a- any notable films? Yeah, we're really excited about right now. Uh, we we got the world premiere of Lumpia with Vengeance at the at the Hawaii International Film Festival. It's coming up, and they're gonna do. A, virtual and a, i think an actual in theater too screening of the world premiere of lumpia with a vengeance that's Good job. congratulations guys yeah i'm the i'm the camera guy and at the at the party <laughs> you know the nice, nice. you know the filipino parties or weddings they got the videographer so, nice nice yeah, nice nice, nice. so that, 
So good they, job, good job, bro. So you were in the original film, the Lumpia, in the in the, in the late nineties. Oh no, no, that was something that the um, uh, the great Patricio De Janelsa was directed when he was still at USC Film School. But but and, but in the new Lumpia film, it's you. You're in the the new one. Yeah. So when I was at LMU at Loyola Marymount University, he was at USC Film School. Mm-hmm. And when he would go on, like, I guess, like, his his winter break or he on his break, he would go film Lumpia up in Daly City. And we were, like, really excited because we, we drove up there. My dad and I, we drove up there. And we were there for a couple weeks. And we had a great time, a really fun time with the um, Filipino community up in the Bay Area in Daly City. And we got Lumpia Vengeance coming out world premiering with guess who's in it mark mark munoz and it's in it mark munoz and uh danny trejo danny trejo's in it dope dope yeah so good shit man google that you guys no doubt google yeah yes google that and um and the name of the original one in the 90s is just lumpia yeah straight up lumpia okay so let's talk about the other act Yes, let's talk about the other shows or other films you did in your childhood. Like, wow. what else? What else work did you do back in the days? Well, you know, honestly, there's like hundreds and hundreds. I'm a trying lot. to, a lot. I'm trying to like uh, do the search in the database in my my memory right now. So let's see, the most memorable and, one, maybe. Yeah, yeah, like me- the most memorable film Ooh. that you know that 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 was that you had so much fun at, like. Like you'll never forget that experience. You know what I'm saying? Like, what film? Um, probably working on this documentary called um, uh, California Roll. Nice, nice. Yeah, nice. it was. What year? What year was? Ooh, California Roll documentary. Um, 2000. I want to say 2000. Oh my gosh, 2006. Mm. Yeah, I think it was 2006. Uh, it was so long ago. What was your role in that? I was a, um, I was a producer on it. Nice. On it, and uh, I was an editor on it. And um, it, um, I really liked it because it took a look at the, it took a look at the hip hop scene in the Asian community, in the Asian American community, and followed around um, a really world famous DJ, DJ Hideo, rest in peace. Rest um, in peace, rest in peace. Yeah, he was um, really one of the hardest, he was the hardest working DJ in the world at that time. Uh, and he was a DJ on a mixer with a lot of, a lot of responsibilities at uh, 92.3 to be 100.3 to be and KKBT in Los Angeles. And, I mean, I remember, you know, we live, we live on a kind of like five blocks away from each other on the West side. And we used to always carpool to work and stuff. And, uh, yes, you know, um, I want to learn from that. So, you know, always take care of yourself, you know, take care of your, your body and like nutrition, eat well, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of fruits and vegetables, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, that's what I learned from the life of Hideo. You know, to live life from what I learned from Hideo. DJ Hideo, rest in, rest in peace. Rest in peace, DJ Hideo, man. Yeah. Um. So, yo, like, as far as, like, in, in your um, adolescent years, there's no, like, notable films you can remember. Like, how long did you do... Uh, how long did you pursue acting like in the childhood years? Like, did you do it all throughout like junior high, you know, elementary, junior high, or did you take breaks in between? Um, you know, that's a really good question because um, being um, Filipino, Filipino American, mm -hmm. there's not too many roles for Filipinos. And if you mm -hmm. just look at us, like, um, and you look at what's on television or what's on film. Mm -hmm. There's not enough mm -hmm. of our faces and our of um, our Filipino faces and our smiley faces, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, a lot of the work that I've was blessed to do with was just really by accident. <laughs> I was yeah. just at the right place at the right time, and and um, so a lot of it too is like searches, like. Hey, who's that guy? Who's that headshot? Oh, what's his number? Let's call him up. <laughs> um, so a lot of the stuff, um, it just came to me. It just, yeah. you know, it just came to me. It was just blessed upon me. Um, Is there a film, any film you did in your like teenage days or adolescent days? Any any film that comes to mind? Like, man, I, I remember this film. Oh, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed working on um, Debut. Oh, sick. Yeah, sick, the Debut. Sick. Oh, my gosh. So, that was a lot well, of fun. What was Gene your role in um, I was in the movie. I'm the videographer in the movie. Sick. <laughs> sick. Again, huh? Yeah, it was pretty sick. It was, it was so, a lot of fun. And LMU grad, alumni, Gene Kayahun. That's uh, it, bro. Yeah, my my whole family was in work. I mean, worked in a piece. Of, my dad was the photographer in the movie. <laughs> we got oh, we got world famous DJ Icy Ice and sick, what um, up, what up? DJ E Man we were there in the movie. Um, up? Of course, uh, Dante Bosco and um, mm -hmm. was in the movie, and Eddie Garcia, rest in peace. He was in that movie too. Yeah, a lot of. Uh, Terso Cruz, the famous yes, Terso Cruz in that movie in the uh, debut. What up, Terso Cruz? <laughs> so that was very memorable because my sister was working as a, um, a PA, production uh, assistant, too. Yeah. So I was like, oh, hey, my sister's behind the camera, and we're in front of the camera. It's just really cool to see, I, to me, to look at the, the, tech, the technical aspects of it, how, yeah. how they take their script into actual media format and put it onto the screen it's just really exciting to me like they're creating something you know creating something from what they wrote and just it was just like a lot of, a lot of wow fact it was a great learning experience good job that's a classic it. film yeah that's a classic right there man and that's it, a filipino yeah. that's a filipino cult classic no doubt and shout out to lumpia too and uh like you know just making it possible for these opportunities to happen yeah and be exposed out here you know? yeah it's um it's pretty awesome because uh you know Pachucho worked in that on that on that debut too and he did his lumpia <laughs> so it's, we're all friends and we're all friends and it's really sick, awesome sick. 
it's a big uh, big celebration when we all come together on production you know just like um just like on the year we did the year we did nothing right yeah yeah you know isn't it kind of strange that you know our movie the year we did nothing that we were in it, it was came yeah. out of last year last year right it came out yeah the year we did nothing yeah. it's available on amazon you're the DVD yeah. and stuff. And, Amazon Prime. And uh, now, Prime. what is the whole world doing right now? Nothing. <laughs> I thought about that too. You know, when that first happened, I, I definitely, I definitely texted Adam. Yeah, like, big shout out like, to Adam like, Barrera. Barrera. Shout out to yeah. Adam, man. I, I got her on this too. And like, um, she said like, yeah, it's really crazy, the timing, you know? Um, but yo, so... Gabe, so I know you played basketball in high school too, right? Oh, a lot. Like when I, yeah, when I was, I started playing when I was like six years old. And then you were, uh, you started playing a freshman year, all throughout senior year. In high school, yeah, I was uh, heavily recruited out of high school. I mean, not out of high school, yeah, out of high school too. But as a, in my junior high years, at um, part of the Catholic Youth Organization, the CYO. At St. John of Arc, we were uh, CYO ch- basketball champions. At um, uh, out of all the Catholic youth, uh, all the Catholic elementary schools, we were the champions out of all of them all in, in Southern California. Props, props, props! Yeah, to be thanks, balling. That was a huge. Like we went up, like I saw a lot, played up against a lot, like with Toby Bailey at UCLA. Nice. And, um, yeah, it's just so uh, uh, a lot of people tell me like, yeah, man, you're the talk of the town, talk of LA. <laughs> I go, really? Wow, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, I was uh, I was just really part of organized AAU basketball from a really young age. Mm-hmm. My parents put me into AAU tryouts uh, with the Nike ARC Mid Valley organization out of the valley. Mm-hmm. And we were sponsored by Nike at that time. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, Nike? Of course. <laughs> uh, of course I'll try out. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. And the funny thing is, like, it's like I've been the same height since, like, fifth grade. So it's like <laughs> people thought I was going to be, like, 6'4", you know, 6'5". <laughs> but I just stayed the same height, which is cool. Um, but, yeah, I was one, I was one of the top uh, – California All State teams, Cal High All State oh. teams in basketball. Good uh, shit, man. Thanks, man. That's a so, lot of work. Hell yeah, bro. Matt props. So, yo, man, you graduate high school and you go to LMU, right? Yeah. And then you got your bachelor's in uh, business administration. Yep, yep. So, how was that experience like in that college, man? Like, oh, what did you learn? Man. What What did you learn about Good yourself, question. or what? Or what are you taking away from that major, you know? Oh. What did you learn about business, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. That's a good question, man. One one word. Oh, actually, discipline. Okay. Three words. <laughs> <laughs> I learned three words from my um, my, uni- my university years at Loyola Hilton Business School. Um, <laughs> discipline. Mm-hmm. Get better mm. that's it mm. and I, I look back and that's how I got through I think it took me six years to get my degree because before mm-hmm. that 
I was also at Santa Monica College. Um, and then I also, you know, it took some time to get to, because I applied to Loyola Marymount. I applied there like three times. Mm-hmm. I didn't get into like the fourth time. Mm-hmm. So at the time I was just taking my general educational courses at Santa Monica College at SMC mm-hmm. and playing ball there too. And, um, you know. So game time out. When, yeah. you, when you graduated high school, yeah. when you graduated high school, what, what was your game plan then? Was was the game I plan? I didn't know, man. Like, I didn't know what I want. Well, I, my game plan was number one. The game plan number one was just to get my finish, get my degree. That's all I really wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so after high school, you went straight to LMU. Uh, not necessarily. <laughs> word word. There's probably so a couple were... years, well, maybe probably like three years in between. Two then or three years like... between. Because uh, I was doing courses. Yeah, I was taking. I was in the. I was doing community college. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was offered scholarships, uh, athletic mm-hmm. basketball scholarships to the University of the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And I was offered scholarships to um, La Salle University in the Philippines. So there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Yeah, two or three on. years. Two or three years from high school, from high school to Loyola, because I only spent about uh, another three years at Loyola. Mm-hmm. Well, LMU. So um, there was no rush. I mean, it was, it was, uh, no rush. It's just there's a lot. It was really tough because I was balancing working at that time too, and I was playing Ooh. ball and I was working and I was part of the Filipino club organization. <laughs> and I had school. I was taking full loads. So I was like, I look back. How did I do it? Man, I was just disciplined. I don't even think I slept. I only slept maybe like two or three hours every day or so. Um, always had the alarm clock on because I had like seven o'clock classes. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then, so Gabe, you graduate. And yeah. then what was your game plan then from LMU after you got your degree in business administration? What did you want to do with that major after? Ooh, right there. Um, I wanted to test myself on, see if I could, if I could get a job. <laughs> J-O-B in corporate America mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, which was really you know I was always working in corporate America when I was in in school what were you doing I was working at the, some of the top radio stations in Los Angeles working at KKBT, that's right that's right 92.3 the beat and 100.3 the beat at that time I definitely uh, want to break that down. So hold yeah, on, hold on, hold yeah. on. So hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, different story. Hold there. up, wait a minute. Discipline okay, so and getting before better. We get, before we get to the beat, all right. So bam. So the whole time you were going to LMU, you were already uh, doing street team for the beat. Yeah, I was working. In, wow. Yes. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was even before LMU. I was there. So when did you land the street team opportunity at the beat? What year was that? Oh my goodness. I don't know the exact it's around like 96, 97, 98. And how many years did you do it? Uh about a decade. From 96 till about 06? Well they switched they switched frequencies, so it's kinda hard to it's kinda yeah, it's about I've been I was in radio for about a decade. 
This Radio, is ra- radio awesome, music dude. for about a decade. The golden age of hip hop, you know, basically Same. like so, 90s and <laughs> 90s to early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy this guy's life is so dope he's all like yeah about 96 97 yeah it's, about the it's golden too age. many so things yo, happen i know so mm-hmm. yo gabe yo so like how did you even land the gig so oh what, that's what, a great how'd question. you how'd you get go ahead how'd you get the gig all right there's a lesson right here man there's a lesson yeah. on marketing and promotions <laughs> and uh presentation and uh yeah Basically, business administration. So everything is shown on paper, right? So at that time in the 90s, uh, there was internet, but it was more kind of like snail mail. So people actually get mail packages more than email. Because uh, we had AOL in the 90s, right? We had the dial tone go, so uh, what, what I did, the way I did it, I just did in my professional resume, my cover letter. But the thing that was different about me that they told me in my interview, my couple of interviews, is that yeah. you put your picture in the corner, man, your resume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody has ever done that before. No. I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah, I want you to know what I look like, so... Put my put my picture right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on my yeah. resume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, it really so like- really helped. It really helped too. I I was I was really really wanted to learn and meet. I wanted to learn learn about radio. I wanted to learn about music. I wanted to learn about the hip hop, um, you know, the hip hop uh, movement. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to. I just wanted to network and meet people. That was my that was my purpose to really just network and meet people, and make friends. So you, mm-hmm. and, so you were there. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, what I did, I interviewed DJs that were already there for the. Uh-huh. I volunteered to write a news newspaper article for Asian Journal, and I just wrote a news paper article on Filipino American DJs at the beat. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And it, it was a blessing because they got written up and published on Asian Journal newspaper. Sick. Uh, it was a DJ ICI's and talked about oh. the E-Man. Talked about the Cerritos All-Stars and the world famous Beat Junkies. And Sick, the man. other Filipinos that were there Working, Pioneers. but not working in front of the microphone, but working in the administrative and mm-hmm. production eras. There's a mm-hmm. quite a few um, um, Filipinos that are working in the radio music industry at, at that time too, mm-hmm. which is like, wow, you're Filipino, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was really cool to see other Filipinos working in other Filipinos working in the music and radio industry. That's dope. So you did, so you did street team and then as the years <coughs> go by, so you, you worked there for a decade, like, did you keep moving up or how did that work? Like, as far as like, did you do street team the whole time or what happened? Uh, I, I actually, that was actually one of my last responsibilities was doing street team was I actually came in as an intern. 
Okay, so you went as an intern, yeah, and then from there, intern. and then and I got hired. There. They found out that I was a business major, so the controller, the controller of the radio station, um, Sharon Kramer, I love her so much, Sharon Kramer. She's like my second mother, and um, she hired me. Yeah, she hired me as an assistant, assistant, uh, county assistant. Uh, Sick. Yeah, so I was working in accounting there. <laughs> so, That's dope, dude. Learning about bank statements and bank reconciliations and counting and billing and all that good number stuff. For the beat. <laughs> yeah, for the beat. Advertising stuff, you know, sales, all that good stuff. Wow. Yeah. So, and then from there, what, and then from there, you went street team. I found out there were some opportunities opening up, and I said. They, I said, hey, can I um, apply? They're like, yeah, why not? You're already here. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, hell yeah, I'm going to apply. I'm like, so all right. Got- so I went to the interview process and, you know, they asked uh-huh. me questions and stuff. And they're just pretty much, yeah, I, um, it was a blessing because they're like family. It's like, you, just, you know, we... Even though the radio is different now, it's like through technology, it's made it so easier for us to connect with each other. And we're really, it's really tight. It's a really, it's a close knit family, you know, like brothers and sisters. It was really cool working at the B was that we had a, a motto of no color lines. So no color lines. It was, uh, our motto was no color lines. And, um, yeah. It's like, uh, uh, they call it, um, radio is like a smoke and mirrors. You can't see them, but you can hear them. (laughs) Amen, amen. So let me ask you this, man. So you did a decade on the beat. So what made you leave? What made you stop working at the beat? Um, There's some other opportunities that came up at some other radio stations and which one uh went on to uh clear uh the stations it's interesting because it's another whole backstory basically the beat got sold mm-hmm. the beat got sold to um a different company mm-hmm. so i went to the cup i went to an, um i went to kiss fm and they're also doing hot 92.3 at that time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was fun working at Kiss FM and uh, Hot 92.3 with Sick. Sinbad, comedian Sinbad. And, and I, mm-hmm. um, I, it was just, oh, there's a lot of things going on because I, I was not, that was not my only job. I had like three, I had two other jobs at that time too. <laughs> I so two, how many years? Uh-huh. I had two jobs and, and I was going to school. <laughs> So how many years, all in all, did you do radio? Like, including all the radio uh, Yeah, about a decade. About a decade. A decade, wow. And then besides that, what was your other job besides radio? I was doing production, like event production, uh, for the largest uh, Latino entertainment production company, All Access Entertainment. Uh, yeah. We produced the largest Cinco de Mayo celebration uh, called... Um, the McDonald's Fiesta Broadway which covers 36 blocks of downtown Los Angeles and we set up five live concert stages and we have a really cool Latino um, music concerts from celebrity um, Latino artists like 
right. Thalia, you know, all that good, st- all that good Latino music, and, um, broadcasted like on Telemundo. <laughs> so it was really fun. I get to use my Spanish a lot. Okay. <laughs> so from okay, so from there, this is a very like interesting story. Like yeah. I can see your transition. So. So from there, I know you got some notable short films like Misunderstanding, mm-hmm. Legend of the Basketball yeah. Ghost, and Los Angeles Seven, right? Yeah. So, so explain to me this transition. What was your first attempts in making films and when? Oh, my first. Like, yeah. What What was your first attempts and when? When was this? Yeah, thanks. Um, it was probably when my dad would just have cameras lying around. In the, in the house <laughs> and my sister picked up the camera and said hey let's sing some Michael Jackson songs you know yeah. we slowly started singing like karaoke songs in front of the camera <laughs> yeah so we were saying like beat it or we are saying like ebony and ivory <laughs> live together in perfect <laughs> so we would sing that song in front of the camera yeah, I would do like I guess it'd be like a music video because there was no MTV at that time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So we would just just make our own music video, karaoke lip sync, like Milli Vanilli, to Michael Jackson and uh, Ebony and Ivory with Paul McCartney, <laughs> and and it transitioned. My first um, uh, production that actually is out public is. Um, it's at the Santa Monica Library. If you can find it, let me know. <laughs> find me if you can see it. I haven't gone to the brand new Santa Monica Library, but it's uh, on Santa Monica landlord and tenant laws. I did a documentary on landlord tenant laws. Oh. Nice. And what year, what year was this? Oh, 95. Nice. So this is a documentary. There's a documentary on landlord tenant laws in Santa Monica. Uh, yeah the reason why i did is because um i didn't want to do a paper i didn't want to write a paper and my my writing group for it was for business law class so it was our business law class in high school i said i asked mr sun shout out to mr sun lme represent he um he let me do a documentary film on landlord tunnel laws instead of um instead of doing writing a paper <laughs> so i didn't get to write a i didn't get to write a bunch of paper i didn't, I didn't get to get right i didn't have to type anything really we just film it film the documentary and react the scene reenact the scenes of uh, landlord tenant laws in santa monica because the thing about santa monica is that there's rent control in santa monica mm-hmm. so if you've been there since like the 60s you're paying like 60 1960s rent Let's imagine that you're paying rent, whatever you paid in the 70s or in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So, and then certain rules and, you know, like partying rules and loud music. You can't have certain loud music and stuff. Mm-hmm. Santa mm-hmm. Monica is really quiet at night. If you just go there at nighttime sometimes, mm-hmm. the only loud, you could hear like Third Street Promenade because they're all doing all the salsa, salsa and bachata dance. They're doing the salsa dances on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You could hear that throughout the whole town in Santa Monica. That's how quiet Santa Monica is at night by the beach. Mm-hmm. And you could just hear the ocean breeze and hear the the salsa music from the Third Street Promenade. 
That's dope, man. That so, yo, man, I, I know you've done some, like, short films. So, what can you tell us about projects like Misunderstanding, <clears throat> Legend of the Basketball Ghost, and Los Angeles 7? Like, what what inspired you to make these right here? Yeah, for the, thanks, man. It, um, the Legend of the Basketball Ghost, so you could watch it streaming right now on Amazon Prime on Amazon.com. Mm -hmm. It's really popular. It's really popular amongst the kids. Nice. Yeah, the kids love it. I get a lot of parents telling me when they see me on public, hey, you're the, you did the Legend of the Basketball Ghost, right? I go, yeah. And oh, my kid watches it like hundreds of times a day. Because <laughs> it's only like five minutes. <laughs> it's only like a five minute short. But the way that came out to be is that I was babysitting my nephews. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, you know, I know that my nephews really love video games, right? So mm -hmm. I wanted to, I wanted to change it up. And when I was babysitting them, hey, let's not play video games right now. Let's be, let's be creative and let's make a movie. <laughs> so when I was babysitting them for, for a day, I um, pretty much we made a movie in one day weekend that's sick that's so awesome they're over bro. for a couple days in the weekend and we made a movie and you can watch it a short movie it's not a long one a short movie it's really quick kids love it it's a fan favorite audience favorite called the legend of the basketball ghost yeah and and um mm -hmm. for misunderstanding i know it's a love comedy flick right yeah, so uh, misunderstanding. What, what, yeah. what made you write that? <laughs> hey, well, hey, dog, what made you write that film? Oh, I didn't write it. My um, my friend, Connor. He's like, oh hell no, I didn't write that. Shit. <laughs> it's good though. Like, it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt, no doubt, yeah, no doubt. It was good. It was, we just we thought of uh, my friend Conrad Garcia. He could watch them on um, I think uh, what's that? Ninety nine was that one show? Something ninety nine. It's a cop show, cop comedy show. Oh my gosh, I don't even watch TV that much, but... <laughs> but good job, good job good on job, that film, Garcia. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's a... It's a good job, I'm missing something. Uh -huh. It's a... It's a... What do you call it? Silent silent romantic comedy. Nice. And I know it got featured on the Philam Fest, right? Yeah, we in premiered it. Yeah, we premiered it. Was, it. it was in the Philam... Yeah, I saw that interview for that you did. So you guys premiered it. How was the reception? It was awesome. We have this really great oh. group, um, Philam Creative. Mm -hmm. If you guys are listening right now, and if you got Facebook or Instagram, join Philam Creative because this is a really mm -hmm. cool uh, group here in Southern California, LA. Most of them are young uh, Filipino Americans. Even we have even we have non Filipinos. It's no color line, mm -hmm. and um, it's a it's a group of entertainment professionals that work behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, in the in the entertainment industry, and mainstream mm -hmm. entertainment here in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Hollywood, California. Shit, that's how I landed the film for the year I did nothing. Yeah. I was I was on that website just cruising for um for an audition. But yo man, so so you you put out the film Misunderstanding. It was in the Film Fest 2017. Like, how are you feeling, dog? Like, does does that feel good or what oh, to make a film oh, that's, yeah, that's always, received like yeah. that? Yeah, man. Thanks. Yeah, it always feels good to finish a product and to let a large audience uh, see your work. A large audience see your work. It's 
to see the audience reaction is just like feels so good and then oh laughing and cheering it's like wow they're all laughing it feels feels good um to see it on the big screen because you're so used to watching it on a small monitor uh-huh. and watching the whole film together and but not only that it's like you're looking at all the other filipino americans making films uh there's about like uh i believe 13 other short films that um, excuse me if I missed the number, but I think it's about 13 other films that, that got premiered at the LA Asian Pacific um, Film Festival. Um, mm-hmm. So it was great. We had, it was a, had a great recept- after reception. And uh, what I feel really good is the audience reactions from uh, all the movies, all the great movies that were shown on, on the premiere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really great. Yo, man, like, as far as, like, in the in different lanes of filmmaking, which one did you learn first? Like, the actual camera work or screenplay writing? Um, that's a good question. Like, when did you, tra- when did you transition from, like, screenplay writing to, or, or, you know, was it, has it always been screenplay writing first or cinematography aspect of it? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, I mean, in school, we were always uh, taught a lot of every year we were taught in grammar school like English literature right like in high school we have English literature classes Mm -hmm. um, our English literature classes and even college literature classes they have us do like Uh short stories Mm -hmm. uh, composition classes those are really fun Mm -hmm. I really like those kind of exercises where you really try to imagine in your mind and see the picture in your mind and you Mm -hmm. write it down but the thing the thing the first thing that came up was Oh my gosh! I probably think we probably would have been acting, because that was probably my first experience. Is really like seeing the camera, holding the camera, and my sister are just we're just really playing. You know, we're just really playing with the camera, and it's really my probably my first experience. Oh, my first experience really is have probably sitting down with those uh, projectors, those film projectors, and watching Laurel Hardy movies. So you would say that screenplay writing came after as like a young adult, like you started working on screenplay writing more. As, yeah. Like what was the first, what was the first screenplay you wrote? Yeah, it's okay. It's um, because I think when, it, yeah, as you evolve as like an artist, um, you gotta have experiences. So I think what I had to do was to have a lot of experiences for me to like really express myself writing. Does that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I, a lot of my fr- my friend my friend David McKeeling, he was the first um, Filipino American in the Directors Guild of America. Uh, he's a he did has this movie um, called Too Much Sleep, which won the Independent mm-hmm. Spirit Award. He's a USC professor, film professor, mm-hmm. and uh, he told me he's like, "Hey, man, you know what's really unique about your writing is that you." you've had all these experiences, work experiences, and life experience in your life before you actually decided to go through the writing process and really think it out, you know? Mm-hmm. And what medium you want to get it out. But uh, yeah, I think it's my first attempt has been like screens. My f- very first attempts have been screenwriting. Screenwriting, yeah. Um, what, what was the name of the project? Like the first screenplay you wrote? Um, uh, it's called Radio Tips. Nice. What year was this? Uh, it's nineties. 
because this is during my time uh, working working in at the beat um because we were to me it was just a different world working at the beat because mm-hmm. you got the public and you got you got media it's a different world yes so yes, yes, in yes. that world i had this story in my head so i'm like oh my gosh i gotta write this screenplay <laughs> so to break that yeah. down what, what is radio tips about um pretty much radio tips is uh how a team gets together and brings their radio station this promotions world famous street team became got this you know radio station it was at like the five spot you know and get it to number one we got it to number one on the nielsen's ratings that was Good. like congrats, oh, congrats that was like a party because <laughs> uh, that means that you get to congrats. Know, thank you man there's a lot of a lot of a lot of work so we got to number one actually uh-huh. mm-hmm. so yeah i just pretty much wrote about my experiences in the radio uh, nice. a fictional version of what my experience was Radio. And was that a sh- was that a short film that you, that you put out? Uh, I haven't, you know, I haven't put it out yet because. Um, oh. So I haven't put it out yet. Well, one, um, we're. Um, I need to get. I need to. I need to get the money so I could pay the actors and the production, first. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, at that time my computer crashed, so all all I have is the actual screenplay, the feature length screenplay. Mm-hmm. And I got notes. It was a, it got a, a great reviews at, for some screenplay competitions, slam dance uh, competition. They gave me great reviews on it, on the screenplay. So I got to transfer that that ninety page screenplay back onto digital mm-hmm. because my computer crashed. I don't have the digital file anymore. Damn. All I have is the actual copy physical paper <laughs> that's still good though that's better than nothing yeah it was really fulfilling after finishing it you know and i know you 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 also directed and shot some music videos right yeah a bunch of music videos are part of shot it film it um direct edit um, you did bamboo seven months right yeah that was a lot of fun that was a couple days on a weekend oh that was a really cool story how we met um, bamboo. bamboo he was working at um, lightning doves video transcribing in west mm-hmm. in santa monica right mm-hmm. so I, i'm working on california road documentary at that time i got to transfer some footage or i think it was a wedding i shot i got to transfer some footage mm-hmm. so I, there's only one place on the west side to transfer your digital footage as at lightning doves mm-hmm. and guess who i see at behind the behind the counter mm. see bamboo oh what sick. sick i go dude sick are you bamboo dude come on like like yeah i'm bamboo i'm like what dude let me shoot one of your music videos he's like no doubt word and i said sick uh, yeah i'm like i want to do it said, okay cool give me your info and um we'll we'll, we'll talk later so he gave me a choice between like five i think like five songs or something and I chose like seven months to do that music video. Sick. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's a good video, man. Yeah, thank you. Um, good shit, guys. Good shit, Bamboo. 
So let me ask you this, dog. Like, what's in your opinion? I know you, you got a lot of experience in like putting together films, documentaries, short films, and you've been in front and behind the camera. You've edited films. You've wrote films. What do you think is the right way to make an indie film in 2020? In your opinion, what's the right way about this? Because you know, I've I've interviewed a couple of filmmakers, and everybody got a different answer. And I think that's what makes it even more interesting. So, what what do you think is the right way to make an indie film these days? Well, number one, you gotta have a desire. You know, if you got the desire and you got a will, you're gonna find a you're gonna find a way. No matter what, mm -hmm. you're gonna make mm -hmm. you're gonna make that movie. So you got you really gotta find some really deep purpose inside of you. Uh, what's mm -hmm. the purpose? You know why why do you want to spend some time working on this project? Why do you want to create this? Mm -hmm. uh, it's something you have to find within yourself. I want mm -hmm. what makes you happy. You know mm -hmm. um, what makes you. I, I like to create. I love I love to create. It makes me happy. You know. Mm -hmm. um, so I try to find the purpose behind every kind of project. I try to find like what inspires me from each project. Mm -hmm. I also look at other projects and kind of see like, okay, how can I like remix stuff? Um, but just really, I think I try to what inspires me. Try to um, just try to create stuff and tell good good stories that I think the audience will like. Yeah, but the thing I think that's number one thing. Number two, what's that? Um, what is that? Um, you gotta have a what's that song? But Junior Mafia. Um, get money. Yeah, get money. You gotta have money. You wanna play? So, so yeah. okay. So this is how I want to break this down. Independently, the wise. You know. Right. So as indie filmmakers, fam, how do we get the money to make the film? Because it cannot be straight out of the director's pocket all the time. So what what can independent filmmakers do to get money to make the film? What's your take on that? Well, everybody's different. I mean, I can only talk mm -hmm. about like my experiences. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of ways. There's a lot of ways to skin a cat. You know, mm -hmm. you could uh, ask friends and family. You could do investor pool. You could structure a company. You know, you could take your company IPO or something. <laughs> You could, uh, there's a lot of ways you could raise, raise funds and money or something. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard there was a story about how um, Steven Spielberg was at the beach. He was at like Venice mm -hmm. Beach and he found his investor was at the beach. And he made the, I think it was uh, either Jaws or it was my first one. It's uh, mm -hmm. Close Encounters of the Third Kind or something like that. That's how he got his money. He, he was at the beach. He was at the right place at the right time, talking to someone. And say, hey, yeah. And yet, Porsche wow. got to got to go through the right professional presentation and all that good stuff. But you got to go through your pitch and all that. But when you're at a social mm -hmm. setting, you know, it's just like, oh, how you just being friendly in a social setting. Um, you know, network, network people. Try to, you know, network network with people who are interested in uh, investing in films or movies or IPs like that. Um, it's a lot of legwork. It's a lot of, all comes down to desire and to get the money. You just gotta, you just gotta keep working at it. 
you know if it's you're working at a job keep saving if you have that film you really want to make you know save up your money you know if you don't if you're if you're living on rent you know maybe you want to make that movie we'll go move back with your parents or something save up money go make the movie and um mm-hmm. like robert rodriguez he was he was um he made money donating blood so robert rodriguez he made that movie um a mariachi el mariachi for seven thousand dollars so he made a movie for like seven thousand dollars and it went off to make millions so crazy shit. So you work your way so it really comes desire you just there's a lot of ways to make money. Um, you got to be really creative, think outside the box. So a lot of brainstorming, like how can I help people? I guess I think of businesses that you can create to, how to help people, how to service people in the public. There's a lot of ways. Um, and we're in California, so we're at the Golden State right here. So there's a lot of gold on the streets. A lot of gold dust in there. You just gotta grab it. <laughs> right. Because, like, in my opinion, right? Yeah. Like, um, just in my opinion, after the funding is after like the funding is there in place, I feel like if it was me, if it was up to me, after the funding's there in place, I think the script should already be done by then. Of course, I think the I think the script should should already be done before we even pitch it, and then after we get the funding in place, I feel like the next the next phase is we got to get someone to direct it. Next, the next step is we got to get someone to um to to film it, and then I think the next phase is we got to cast, we got to cast it, um and hopefully by that time like locations are already figured out, you know what I mean, and after that we got to spend some time after we shoot it we got to spend some time editing it for sure, and then from there while we're editing it I think ways to promote it should already be in place, you know, and just ideas here you know what i'm saying like if we got the funding in place it's like the director got to be paid the cameraman the actors and the, the the person editing it you know everybody instrumental in really making the film happen but what that's my take but what's what's your thoughts after we after you guys get the funding what do you think's next well everything's all negotiable everything's mm-hmm. all negotiable um mm-hmm. so, yeah, so the first thing we get is the money right so we got the funding mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, we go into we start going to pre-production. Mm-hmm. We go into pre-production, and then pre-production we start going production and post-production. But then also at the same time, we gotta figure out the marketing plan. Like before all this, there should be already a business plan. But I know a lot of other companies that are out there that um, it's there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. There's a lot of ways. It's mm-hmm. just like. I really think the script really comes first before Oh, cool. yeah. The, the, the script, I just think that's number one. Then start pitching it to see who's, who's down to kind of invest. Once there's some investments to like for funding, like then that's when we can break it off to whoever needs to be broken off. But no one gets broken off till we finish the shit. You know what I'm saying? So hold up, you know, like let's finish it first, you know, and then edit editing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're we're there's a perfect world, but it's not a perfect world, right? So it's just yeah. we go whatever comes our way. We just you know we just keep keep working at it, keep contacting, mm-hmm. see, find the producers that are really mm-hmm. they really want to do, they're really desire to do this, mm-hmm. and 
they don't desire to do it then you know it's like it's probably got to do like a robert rodriguez and do it all on your own <laughs> mm-hmm. right right so there's all if there's a will there's a way yeah, to robert to rodriguez now imagine Rob, look at robert rodriguez just like look at his journey it's like he has his own television network now mm-hmm. <laughs> started off on a seven thousand dollar action movie so, yo, man, here's what I really wanted to get into, bro. Oh, yeah. With all these, with all these things that you've done in your life creatively, you must look back at it with a smile, right? Like, wow, I've done some cool shit, right? Come on. Yeah, I am. I'm happy. I'm just happy. Hell yeah. So I'm from there, grateful, grateful yeah. to live this life. Really so, yo, man. With everything you've done, I feel like the next phase is really your novel based on the true events of the Watsonville riots. So before we even get into this, man, like, what really inspired you, bro, to do the research and make this happen? <laughs> oh, that's a great question, bro. Like, um, so I was sitting... It's a dream. Yeah, I was just like, um, I didn't... Well, main, my main purpose was, like, I didn't want anybody to forget the history I didn't want anybody, the generations coming up, to forget about the struggles that um, the Monons had and the Filipinos had coming to America. Because so to all those yeah. uh, tall my listeners tuning in, um, the book is out now on Amazon.com, and this is a. Uh, and I don't want to speak for him, but for all those listening, Monons mean you know Filipino man and in their late 50s 60s that's just that's that, that went to the states to um to become farmers you know and um they got treated wrong but i want to stop speaking and take it to you though so for all those tuning in what is the watsonville riots yeah the watsonville riots was a series of uh, week-long events of rioting rioting and the uprising against the filipinos in Watsonville Mm. Mm. and it was just because of the Americans at that time they the white people they just didn't understand they weren't educated about who these type of looking Filipinos are who are these people and why are they all young young good looking handsome Filipino men in their 20s and teens and early 30s, dressed up in three-piece suits and slick back hair. And why are they always hanging out at the dance halls with dancing with white girls? <laughs> so just imagine that. Imagine in the 1930s, you know, 20, late 20s and 1930s, you see people like us, uh, brown skin. Oh, flat nose, good-looking smile. <laughs> we could dance really good. And we got some good-looking hair and good-looking suit, good-looking shoes, and our dance moves. And we're spending money. Um, so I didn't, want, I didn't want people to forget that about those times. And the great thing about America is that we changed. And... and they always adapt to change. That's what's great about America. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was really, really, um, just imagine, it was really tough for um, Filipinos at that time 
to live. They couldn't bring they couldn't bring their girlfriends to America. They couldn't bring their wives. There was no Filipinas. There was no Pinais. There was no Filipino girls in America in the 1930s. Maybe like a couple, a few here. You know, it was like I think the ratio was like one to 14, one Filipina to 14 Filipinos mm-hmm. at that time. So just imagine like we're humans and we have. Yeah, humans have human instincts, <laughs> certain mm-hmm. urges. Uh, yeah, work, and they're they they were grinding a lot. They're working in the farms and by day, and at nighttime they just enjoy their life, dancing, spending their money, um, mm-hmm. gambling, gambling, and they spend their money dancing, and they said you know pretty much they didn't see the value of saving money at that time mm-hmm. because we couldn't and back then we couldn't own real estate at back then we couldn't own a car we couldn't drive a car you know um we couldn't marry we couldn't marry a white girl <laughs> yeah so that's why a lot of intro into into marriages between mexicans and filipinos at that time um Mm-hmm. Couldn't and if you were going to marry a white girl, a Caucasian girl, you have to go to a different state, like North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't want um, people, Filipinos, especially growing up in the generations, to forget about the struggles and how easy and how blessed you have it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people have it growing up; they have it so easy right now. You know, you got computers. <laughs> You got mobile phones right now. They didn't have that back then. So, so uh, around around what year did the, the riots happen? 1930s, the early 1930s. 1930s. Yeah. Okay. Early there's 1930s. no recollect. There's no recollection of the real dates. Just kind of really blurry months. Yeah, there's a there's a really- yeah there's a there's an exact date, but um, my story is just fictional. Um, mm-hmm. There's an exact date. Uh, someone actually died. I think his name was his last name is. Oh my gosh! Starts with a T. Um, tab, ta, something, a taboo, ta, ta, But he, mm-hmm. this guy, someone got killed. A Filipino got killed mm-hmm. um, during the riots. Mm-hmm. It's like a series of events. A lot of a lot of them, the people they're getting thrown off of bridges. Filipinos were getting thrown off of bridges at that time. Um, wow, that's crazy, dude. They're um, they're barracks. Are living in, they get shot up, or they get they get blown up with explosives or dynamite. That's crazy. Yeah, that's fucked up. So, yo, man, like, around what year did really, around what year did you really start putting this down on paper? Like, all right, let let me start, let me start getting getting to it. Around what year did you really start working on this? Oh, we're in 2020 right now, right? Mm-hmm. We're like 2000, 2015. Yeah, 2015. And then what year did it come out on Amazon finally? Oh, gosh. Was that 2018, I think? Right? Right? Yeah, that sounds right. 18 or 17? It happened so fast. Was it, what was it, last year? Oh, yeah. So, hey. How so fast? Hey, bro, what kind of... (laughs) Do you... So, it took you about maybe two years to write it? Yeah. Because... Three years, yeah, three years my, my process first actually it was a screenplay at first. I have a screenplay of it. 
I wrote a screenplay for uh, based for the on, book. Yeah, I, uh, I wrote the screenplay first, and then you know what? The fastest way the I looked at it from a business standpoint. The fastest way for me to get out to the public was it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money to make a movie. Oh yeah. And so I wanted the most cost-effective, business-effective way was I could publish a book, publish a novel. I just gotta oh, yeah. take my time and do make a good story. And I just learned the process on how to self-publish through Amazon Publishing. And it was, nice. a, it was a lot of learning. It, was, it took me it took me a good six months just to like learn and just read because there's a lot of instructional and tutorial stuff you have to read about the technical aspects of um, the books and the, and the grammar, uh, what do you call it, the indexing and the paragraphs and spacing and all that. And um, so I did the screenplay first. It's just like really good. I'm like, wow, this screenplay is really good. Then the novel is going to be off the hook. It's going to be amazing. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, Gabe, where can people buy the paperback version? Oh, thanks. Yeah, you can get it on Amazon.com. Just go ahead on Amazon.com and go ahead and put it in the search box. Um, based on true events, Watsonville riots. And then how about the uh, the audio version? Or, or is there an audio version? Yeah, we're almost, almost it's coming out soon. The Audible book version is coming out soon. It's a really congratulations, cool thing, bro! I'm man. so happy for you. It's a lot of work. Uh-huh. It's a lot more work on the audible because we're doing some really good uh, foley artist vocals, and we're doing uh, different actors are acting out different scenes. Nice. We got Hell yeah. female actresses, and we have on it, and then um, uh, my dad is also playing some of the acting out some of the characters. Yeah. And then I have this really great, uh, the best actress, uh, Leslie Ann Pine. She does a lot of the female acting voices on it. She, I love it, man. Yeah, she's a former uh, Miss Philippines USA beauty queen, Leslie Ann Pine. Good shit. So, Good shit. Yeah. Mad props to my peoples out there doing their thing. And congratulations <laughs> on the release of the book, bro. Thank um, you, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All so... So, like, what's the process like mm-hmm. to work on this book? I mean, <laughs> as far as, like, writing it, do you find yourself sometimes getting your own emotions invoked? Like, like, damn, like, this is fucked up shit happening <laughs> to my peoples. But as, uh, but as I'm writing about it, I also feel good creating the story. But I'm also affected sometimes. Like, what kind of mental space do you have mm-hmm. to be? What, ty- what type of research did you have? did you have to do? Like, where do you even go for research for this type of shit? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like... Like how how's the process like for this book, bro? Yeah, that's a great question, man. It's um, it definitely it was a journey, a definitely an adventure and journey for me, both mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, like physical, spiritual, emotional, everything. I, I went through so many emotions, so many emotions, um, going through the process of writing this book, this novel, and um. Really, it's, um, you gotta, it's, uh, I just, it's a desire. It really comes down to desire. Um, Mm -hmm. 
desire the, the pro they're talking about the process right you're saying about the process yeah just the, the process like do you get writer's block or if you needed to do some research yeah. like where do you where do you even go for research who do you contact for research like some first-hand experiences because these are our ancestors that's been gone and have gone away like how do we trace this information back that's a great present yeah, that's a great question because you know? I'm, I'm working on another book on how to publish your own books right now and really it's um your your number one thing you gotta your mental state your your mindset mm -hmm. should always be enjoyable it should uh, nice it should always be very enjoyable like you should always be in a happy like enjoyable mindset when you're writing you know and you gotta be in a mindset like focus like I, I got it I got to get at least one page written down today. Yeah. You write one, yeah. write one page a day, your goal one page a day, you know, compounded 360 days from now, you'll have 360 pages. <laughs> yeah. So if you just have a goal of just enjoying writing one page a day, you'll be fine. And um, six, six. that's the, whole mental process of writing but when i first started i did an outline you just do an outline so i do an outline of the different settings i want to see my characters go through mm -hmm. and um and I, of course there's a lot it was a kind of it was a learning curve too because i got to learn about the, the process of writing and screenplays and i, I study a lot of like sid fields sid fields writing and act one act two act three and you have to know it's really kind of like music too you think about music music you got the wavelengths and the music wavelengths it's the same thing when you look at the timeline of a screenplay if you look at a screenplay when you're writing it's like a wavelength of a, a dope song like it goes up and it goes down it goes up and it goes down so it's like a lot of waves you want to mm. keep it flowing like like water so um mm -hmm. Well, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, but as far as number wise you just gotta have to know the different numbers like um they say um 90 pages is you gotta know how your goal of writing is it gonna be you're gonna write 90 pages or you're gonna write 120 pages mm -hmm. um i learned that 90 pages sells sells better it's a better chance of getting sold in 90 pages um so yeah i mean that's the basic there really are no rules you know but there's certain structures and tempos and certain um, skills that, and techniques that certain studios use in their writing. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of studios, it's really like Disney has their own kind of style. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting from what I learned, but, but from a number standpoint, you just have to know how many pages you're gonna write, you know, and you just have a goal, just one page a day. Um, and have an outline. I always have an outline. Index cards. I have an index card for every page, so I know what's going on in every page. I got an index card on history. I know what I know what every character is like, what their background is like. Um, and it's so much more easier now because you could just like do research from the internet on Google. Or Yahoo or whatever search engine, you could just go ahead and Google, type in like how to write a screenplay, 
<laughs> or you go to YouTube and they got videos now. You can just watch the video. <laughs> so there's a lot of ways. It's just um, you just gotta have you gotta in a mental state. You just gotta be really enjoy it and just like enjoy what you're doing, putting out there because you have to remember that nobody else has been doing anything that's thought up. Really, most of the people are out there. Ninety-nine percent are working nine to five. You know, only probably one percent of the people in the world are probably writing something. You know, but somebody's doing writing something, so it's a good competition to kind of push you to write one a day. Oh, there's somebody else that's writing a page, so I got to write a page today. It's yeah, true. so it's it's a very it's an adventure through your both physical, mental, and spiritual. You gotta be. Uh, you gotta be really close, you know, really know what you want, really want, know what you desire, you know, your desire. Like my, my mentor says, like, I wanna be the, I wanna be the first one to do it. <laughs> That's all I was, I'm always trying to push myself to be quicker and faster. It's like, I wanna be the first one. This is like when you're, Amen. when you're doing, um, when you're doing sports and you're playing in sports. That's why I love team sports and basketball a lot. You know, you're always trying to beat the next person to the line. And every game is always based on one or two points or whoever got to the line quicker. So that's always kind of like the mindset too. Um, kind of have got to have an athletic championship mindset all the time. Like, okay, just one more step, you know, just one more page, just write one more page. Yeah. So. I love the evolution, bro. Started out like as a child after to like making independent films to even transitioning into the radio hip hop world and now you're an author also a screenplay writer like do you ever look back like wow I've done some I've done some evolving in my life do you ever look back at that yeah look around. I can't believe I did that right hell yeah you did <laughs> I can't believe it like, what shit if I finish a fucking book I'd be getting drunk like <laughs> motherfucker the day that I wrap this shit up I'm gonna tell you that you know I'm a party with the homies, but we can't even party for shit. It's a pandemic right now. How? How? So, How do we party? We, social distancing. You know, I'm in San. Everything's close in Six San feet away. Six feet away. Oh, <laughs> Six feet okay. away. Or in the so, house, yo, in the crib. So, uh, so, yo, fam. So, like, let me ask you this, man. Yeah. Uh, I know us Filipinos, we grew up in as Catholics or Christians, you know what I mean? Yeah. And as far as like spirituality, bro, do you feel like when you're writing a book about our ancestors, do you feel connected to our ancestors as you're writing this book? Do you feel like it's your way of communicating to our ancestors too? That yo, man, we ain't forgot. You know what I'm saying? Like, and do you hope that you communicate with them through this book or maybe they're communicating back to you, <laughs> sending some good sending some good energy back in your life man because like you're blessed bro all the, all these opportunities i feel like maybe it's because you gave something back to our ancestors wow no yeah i do believe that um Tell me dog you're talking to them right yeah, now. Kind of the last, and, yeah i believe that mm, yeah because uh but, yeah, I call, call a few couple of few people say that like i gotta keep i gotta keep meeting people i gotta keep getting in front of people like we gotta get this we gotta get this movie made we gotta get the base on treatments watsonville riots made because that's like that it changed actually american history it changed american history at that time too because 
The American mm-hmm. government, they couldn't figure out what to do with Filipinos at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, why we're going to handle these Filipinos? <laughs> so the Filipinos mm-hmm. started organizing, you know? They started unionizing. They started getting together and working together. And when you work mm-hmm. together, great things can happen. And so that's what they, that's what had happened. They evolved. The, the monos evolved from the farm into the city. You know, being bellboys to the rich and famous, like um, Frank Sinatra, you know? And, um, so it's an evolve. I do believe that like, a couple of people are telling me, like, I got to keep, we, we have to keep, we got to get this movie made. Like, um, yeah, man, we're going we're gonna to chop yeah, it up man. when we get off. The yeah. We're going to chop it up right now. So, yo, so, yo, um, okay, so we got to get this movie made, man. So, yo, yeah, man, so, like, yeah, long story short, they're, they're saying, you gotta get me because all your ancestors are right behind you. I'm like, whoa, what? They're they're praying, they're waiting on you, and I think this this responsibility is on you because you're chosen to do this film, fam. Yeah, before God takes we me. Got <laughs> we got it. We gotta get it done, especially this year. Like you know, maybe the year 2020 is a year for us to reflect on what needs to be. Yeah, done. like um, so. Yeah, I'm like to have. The main cast lead as Bruno Mars, like Bruno Mars. Like if you're listening right now, bro, I know you live in the Sherman Oaks, bro. I'm in Southern California, let's let's meet up real quick. <laughs> I, gotta, I have to share some. I got I got a part for you in this movie. <laughs> come on, come on, well, Bruno. Bruno. You could make a song. You can make a whole album for the movie. And you haven't done a movie yet. <laughs> yeah. So yo, man. Um. I know it's been a crazy year, bro. Like in in this crazy tension in this, in this country right now, um, it's been rough on all levels, right? And it's a blessing that every day we're still alive. We get to like eat and pay our bills still, because a lot of people, a lot of people lost their jobs. You know, um, it's just been a crazy year, dog. I don't know what else to say. It's been a humbling, humbling year. Um, what are you taking away from this year? Like any lessons you learned about yourself as a man? as an author, as a creator, as a businessman, like what have you learned or what are you taking for, away from this year? Man, really, I just pray, man. I just pray that mm-hmm. there's peace on earth and they find a, mm-hmm. get a vaccine like as soon as possible out to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just pray to God, pray to the Lord Jesus Christ that they get some vaccine or cure. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this pandemic as soon as possible. And it's going to take time as a process, but I understand that. But I just hope there's no more, you know, no more loss of life. We could continue to grow humanity. And no, there's no need for violence. You know, can we all just get along? (laughs) You know, peace and harmony. You know, because we live in such we live in such a wonderful earth. We live in such a wonderful world, such a beautiful, lovely universe. That's like, come on, why don't we just take care of it and take care of one another? You know, and um, you know, find ways. You know, just keep working on our dreams, and you know, every day finding ways, how opportunities to make money. You know that are that are morally and ethically right mm-hmm. and entertain you know give, give some people mm-hmm. some kind of form of entertainment and education to 
get their minds on more positive stuff. Good shit, and, uh, dude. Good shit. And, I mean, that's all I pray for is that we kind of like re-educate, you know, educate, kind of keep building and, and just enjoy each other, you know? It's, it's, uh, peace on earth, man. Peace in the universe. Peace, love, and hair grease. I'm just kidding. No hair grease, but <laughs> yeah, just peace and love. Abundant I'm down, prosperity. I'm down. And um, I want everybody to make sure you subscribe to the MD podcast. Thank you, sir. Thank you. This is worldwide. We are going worldwide right now. <laughs> the whole universe is listening in right now. And you are tuned in to the most popular most wanted <laughs> most listened to radio podcasts in the universe marlon d world fame uh uh you know on the real though i was looking at my spotify streams mm-hmm. right i was getting some streams from russia singapore finland greece italy i was like wow i was like i'm getting some streams from like philippines mexico like it felt good you know that people are tuning in and um I really started the podcast to highlight, you know, it's, it's definitely hip hop commentary, music commentary, and I've been interviewing some hip hop artists, but like, I also didn't limit it to that. I definitely put a, I, I gave some, I gave space for my, my beloved social workers, nurses, mental health practitioners, everybody out there on the front line, sacrificing their lives every day, like teachers, you know, my people serving the peoples and of course man like i'm a brown minority living in this country i know how crazy it is right now you know what i'm saying any minute it can be turned on us you know we're not exempt from any of this racism that's going on so i'm humbled i feel like you know i'm my, my family came are, are, are immigrants i'm an immigrant you know and um i i speak i don't speak for all my people out here but i only i only speak for me like it's time for like my fellow Filipino Americans and all my minorities to have our voices heard, you know, because if we don't tell our own stories, like no one's really going to tell that shit for us, you know? So it's just my way to put out content besides my music. And um, I want to say thank you, dog, for donating your time and like, you know, and dropping gems on your on your knowledge in the, in the film industry, the radio industry, and, and, and congratulations on your book, dog. You know, I'm... I'm I feel happy when I hear my homies doing shit like this, like oh, pushing the you, culture man. forward, dog. You know, you, that's fucking dope. Much dude. love on this, um, on your MD podcast, man. It's gonna be awesome. What if we get some great, um, big time sponsors? You know, like you know, get some like Adidas to hook us up with some gear, or some. <laughs> Adidas, if you're listening, if you're listening, Adidas. Um, so, yo, man, Gabe, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. So, yo, any last minute, yo, the based on the true story, Watsonville riots can now be purchased on Amazon.com, and we are working on the audio version soon, right? Mike, check one, two, one, two. Yo, my, my bad game. We got disconnected, but ladies and gents, Batman, huh? Batman, Hello? Batman, Batman. Are you there? So, yo, Mike, check. So, yo, for all my people's tuning in, man, uh, 
the book based on the true story the watsonville riots can now be purchased on amazon.com and as far as the audio version is coming it's coming real soon right um based on events watching the rights on amazon.com and audible is coming out soon but you can get it on ebook and paperback so get it in there and you'll have an enjoyable time reading it so the the paperback's available on amazon.com and then the e the ebook is on amazon.com too yeah you can get it on both on amazon.com cool 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 and then the the audible version the audio version is coming soon right Audible's coming up soon. Where word up, word up. Yeah. Where, where can soon. we find you on um, Facebook or Instagram? Uh, you can just find me, Gabe Bagdama. Gabe Pagtama. G-A-B-E-P-A-G-T-A-M-A. Bagdama. Nice. Google me. Google me, Gabe Pagtama. And you'll read more about me and enjoy. See some of my videos on YouTube. A- Abe Gabe channel youtube.com forward slash Abe Gabe you can check out um, um, a lot of videos on there and uh, you gotta check out you guys make sure you go check out see Marlon's video oh thanks man thank you yeah Change is going to come. It's now out on YouTube. Uh, thanks to everybody supporting the album, everybody streaming the video, and uh, just anybody supporting the podcast. Once again, man, thank you for uh, supporting my music too, Gail. I appreciate you, bro. And looking forward to seeing your pops real soon, man. Yo. Yo, I'm going to next door. I'm going to get off the line with you. I'm going to hit you right back, all right? Yo, MD Podcast okay, cool. has been real. Thanks for listening. One love. Peace. Peace.